Hi, this is Andy McCluskey from the band OMD, and you are listening to Stuart Pink on Phoenix FM. Yes, it is. Hello, just to say that zooming onto the show is singer, songwriter, producer, and OMD frontman Andy McCluskey. Hello, Andy. Hey, Stuart. Nice to speak to you. You too. How are you? I'm great, actually. I'm great. I mean, after like a lot of people, after a long 18 months, uh, I'm working again. We've been playing festivals. It's been brilliant. Hey, <laughs> he's back yeah. out the house again. Yeah. So where, where are you zooming in from, Andy? Describe the scene for us. Uh, I'm currently at home, actually. I'm sitting in my lounge. Um, it's middle of August, so I've got the fire on and I've got my sweater <laughs> on. <laughs> the classic British you ever seen. Yeah, you know it. You know it. <laughs> and he's woolies they got the long johns on in august thanks for joining us uh, it's, it's an honor to have you on the show uh, it's a, a very exciting time for omg fans um there's remixes extended 12 inch vinyls arena tours the whole lot uh before we get into that quick rewind through uh, the time loop for a brief history uh the omg formed in the late 70s but yourself and paul humphreys uh, have known each other since primary school yeah, we, we met each other when Paul moved into the area when he was seven years old. Uh, we went to the same school. We then went to different schools for a while. But when we were, well, actually, he was 15 and I was 16. Um, he came knocking on the door to ask me if I wanted to join his friend's band, which I did. Uh, but quite quickly, we realised that we had more in common musically. We, we started writing together uh, around at his house whenever his mum went out on a Saturday to work. So it was, uh, that, that's how we started. We were teenagers. The original garage band. Yeah, well, the backroom band. Yeah, the, his garage was really the coal hole. But uh, yeah, it was, I mean, that, you know, that's when we started. I mean, to be honest, it was pretty, uh, pretty random and, and, and experimental when we first started, largely because we didn't have any instruments. Paul used to have to make things out of cannibalized radios that he used to borrow off his aunts until they got, <laughs> until they got wise that they were never getting their radios back in a functioning way. Um, but yeah, that's when we, we, we started uh, way back then. And, and then eventually we dared ourselves to go on stage and play our songs the way that we envisage them and nobody wanted to join us so we just borrowed a mate's tape recorder and we were just going to do one gig we invented orchestral news in the dark to do one gig in october 1978 and here we are almost 43 years later turned out to work out all right did it we've been blessed i ain't complaining it's it's been it's been the longest most fun accident i've ever had in my life <laughs> so the 80s obviously were, were a crazy time for you at omd um Anybody who was around will probably remember exactly where they were and what they were doing the first time they heard some of your hits, uh, especially so for Enola Gay, an incredible song, now celebrating 40 years. It's, it's amazing. Um, I mean, we our first album was kind of all the songs we'd written as teenagers, um, and we were lucky enough to have our third single be a hit, a song called Messages. But Enola Gay, which was the actually the only single off our second album, just blew everything out of the water i mean it was number one in france and italy for about three months and to this day it seems to remain our, our most famous and well-loved song and um and yet it's you know it's it, it's a strange subject it's named for the the, the name of the airplane that dropped the atom bomb on hiroshima which is i suppose typical omd you know unusual subject for a pop song <laughs> was it a brave thing to, to did you feel nervous releasing that kind of track with such a dark subject in the charts I think that, you know, because we got together uh, not expecting or wanting to have a career in music, it was really a hobby. Um, we were always very brave. I think that's what 
a lot of people liked about us as we you know our sound was different and we wrote songs about what we thought were interesting and, and, and more interesting things than, you know, just, Hey baby, I love you lyrics. So yeah. um, now we, I mean, we, you know, we did it because we were fearless and young and crazy and, but amazingly it sold millions of records. So that track in particular, what, what memories does it bring back to you now? Now you hear it or now you perform it live. Oh my gosh. Off. It's um, I mean, it, it's still, probably our most famous song everybody loves it we when we start festivals we start with it it's like playing you know playing your joker first um and when we close yeah. our when we close our shows we always end with it and it's um i've made the analogy you know knowing that you're about to start in all again drop that distinctive drum machine sound it's a bit like it's a bit like sitting in a poker game knowing you're just about to put on the table three kings and two aces you know you're going to win <laughs> <laughs> absolutely you're not wrong there so you're celebrating the 40th anniversary of that particular track with a, a special limited edition lp and vinyl well, we're actually celebrating the 40th anniversary of our third album, which 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 came out in in the autumn of 1980, um, and followed up in Ola Gay's success with three top five singles, "Souvenir" and "The Two Joan of Arc." So, we thought, you know, everybody's desperate to get back out again playing live. We had this tour booked some time ago, and I'm just so delighted. It, you know, we're going to be able to do it, and everybody can come and see us. So we just thought, hey, let's celebrate 40 years of architecture morality with the big hits, and we're going to actually play the whole album album um but people shouldn't be fearful i mean most people have got it i think it's sold in this country it's sold it was certainly double platinum um and it's got the three hits on it and then when we've played the whole of the album i'm going to be able to walk up to the microphone as i did because we did play the whole album about 14 years ago and it's it's, it's a lovely feeling to walk up to, to the mic and just say to the audience okay hope you enjoyed architecture morality we're now going to play 12 hit singles in a row because we can <laughs> <laughs> absolutely milk it milk it i mean after the success of that the second album um organization was, was a great great album as well but putting together the third one um after that did it ever feel like a, a monumental challenge to follow up album two the biggest challenge for any band album three yeah, I know the difficult third album. We were lucky. Um, we still were full of ideas. We uh, obviously we were full of confidence because of this massive success of Enola Gay. And um, but we stuck to our principle, which is to always just do something new, keep writing songs about things that we thought were more interesting than the usual. And um, and that confidence bore incredible fruit. I mean, that the Architecture Morality album uh, was 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 massive. I mean, it helped that it had three massive hits singles on it absolutely certainly did i mean it riding on that confidence for a band like yours very experimental uh trying new things in the studio i guess having the confidence to just trust what you're doing is good because it feels nice and sounds right well, you know what? The, I think the thing was that we we just made the music that we wanted to hear. It, it was a conversation with ourselves. We were fortunate that kind of unconsciously we wrapped our kind of experiments in tunes and melodies that, you know, even your granny could whistle in the bath. So um, we just <laughs> it, it was it was a knack we had of doing things. Well, you know, we might try an experiment, but we'd always put the candy coating of the of the of the melodies on top of it. Do you have the pressure of your label to, to make a, a more accessible kind of hit or, or was it just you do what you want to do because you you got the magic? Do you know what? They let us just get on with it, which was remarkable. You know, the, nice. the, they, yeah, I mean, they trusted us. We just went into our studio, wrote it. And we said, right, we're ready to do it and delivered it. We never had anybody telling us what to do, which was, which was just fabulous. 
which allowed allowed us to to create our own sound i think message to the record companies that's what can happen there you go so you're taking the whole album on a uk arena tour later this year doing the whole thing in full start to finish um and the big hits as you say massively excited playing the whole album um finally now we're allowed out again yeah, I mean, you know, we, we've done a couple of festivals the last two weekends and it was just so amazing to be in front of an audience again. You know, we, we hadn't played live for 18 months um, and it was it was wonderful. It was also wonderful as well for our crew because, you know, we, we're fortunate that we have the, the residual royalties and if we get played on the radio and stuff, we still get paid. But the, the rock and roll crew guys haven't had any work since COVID came along. And we, yeah. we actually played in London a couple of months ago finally doing a twice postponed uh, benefit for our crew which actually raised a lot of money for them which was great to do it so I think just for everybody band, crew, promoters, agents and particularly the audience uh, it's just been great to start doing it again and we were you know our agent was saying oh hopefully hopefully November 21 will be okay COVID will be over and we can all go back to gigs and it is it's just going to be so great to tour again Excellent. What have you missed the most out of the live experience? Um, quite simply, you know, it's wonderful when you write a song and it gets played on the radio and, and, and people buy it sometimes in its millions, but you never get to be there with them when they're at home in the bedroom or in the car or whatever, listening to your music. The live yeah. experience is when the band plays it in that room at that moment for only those people. And there's nothing, nothing compares to that. It's just a wonderful connection. Anything you haven't missed about the live experience? Um, I haven't missed having to worry about my voice and take care of it. And, um, oh yeah. Another my, limb my, yeah. Yeah. My, my, my dodgy knee, um, has certainly <laughs> me not doing my idiosyncratic windmill dancing and jumping up and down on it. Now that we've started playing again, my knee is going, Oh, you're going to do this to me again. Are you? Well, I shall <laughs> complain then. <laughs> <laughs> Stock up on the pain relief. <laughs> you know it. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, no, my, my, my rock and roll drug of choice these days is I start every tour with a cortisone injection in my knee. <laughs> <laughs> Ultimate rock and roll. Yeah. <laughs> so I read somewhere that when OMG reformed again and started going back out to do the live gigs, uh, it was partly influenced from your kids who wanted to see you perform live. Um, that's have right. They, I mean, not, none of our kids had seen us um, at that time. And, uh, you know, we were all just dad and we were all at home. Yeah. So they didn't really understand that this is what we used to do. So it was it was really strange for them, actually, to to see us again. But I'll tell you something, Stuart, the novelty wore off really quickly. I can remember playing a gig <laughs> in Oxford, and I, I looked out into the audience, and I could see my wife and my son, but I couldn't see my daughter, who I think was about nine at the time. And uh, after the, I said, I said to my wife, I said, you know, was Ava okay? And she said, oh, yeah, she was just sat down playing a Game Boy. And my wife had said to her, do you want to see your dad? And she went, I can see him at home. <laughs> there you go. Oh, he's doing it again. Yeah. <laughs> oh, brilliant stuff. Uh, so I, I read your son's in the band too. Uh, has, he, has he inherited the uh, the legendary dance moves? 
Uh, no, he's made absolutely sure that he doesn't dance like his father, <laughs> which I think is probably a good thing. But yeah, I mean, they, they toured with us when we toured the UK um, back in 2019, and they are they are a fabulous band. They they have their own sound. James just plays bass. He has a uh, there's another lead singer, which I think is also good for him, my, my son James. But yeah, they're called MIG 15, and um, you know the young bands have got hit much harder by COVID than people of our generation because they didn't already have an audience they didn't have a catalogue to fall back on so they've been so frustrated and now they're starting to play gigs now and they've just got a new single coming out called too little too late and uh, so you know i i just let him get on with it you know he, he he's like all youngsters you know i've got all this history and knowledge but he doesn't want to listen to it he's doing his own thing <laughs> he's experimenting like he's dead um actually they're not quite as experimental as us but my god they write some tunes yeah inherited the writing skills yeah, that, that he has, that he has. <laughs> awesome stuff. Now, we're off-piste a little bit. I didn't realise until very recently that you and Stuart Kershaw uh, were the songwriters and founders of Atomic Kitten. Yes, yes. Um, I no I, I, Stuart and I are responsible for inflicting Kerry Katona upon herself and the rest of the world, um, <laughs> which uh, she has forgiven me for. Um, but, yeah, when I... Um, when I finally decided to retire in the mid nineties, feeling that, you know, a band that was perceived as an 80 synth band was, you know, not going to be acceptable anymore. Yeah, I was conceited enough to think I could still write songs. And Stuart and I, who had written with me in the nineties and is now the drummer in the band because our original drummer, Malcolm, unfortunately was unwell and couldn't play with us anymore. Um, Stuart and I, yeah, we created Atomic Kitten. Um, we wrote the whole of their first album, including the massive hit single Hole Again, which of course has now taken on another lease of life with it yes. being adopted by the England fans. And I, I'm eternally amused that there's hordes and hordes of heterosexual <laughs> middle-aged English men all singing how much Gareth Southgate still turns them on, you know. <laughs> uh, I was going to ask you that. Is he the one and his football coming home again from the man who wrote the song? Oh, you know what? We we still have our dreams, don't we? We get closer. You know, we, we made the semi-finals last time, the final this time. It was only penalties. Um, you know, being a football fan, you've still got to keep dreaming, haven't you? You have. You certainly have. Awesome. Well, Andy, I cannot wait to see OMG gigging live again. It's going to be an amazing uh, tour. I look forward to seeing it. Good luck with it. Thank you, Stuart. Yeah, we're looking forward to getting out there and playing to everybody and, and doing a proper full-length tour with, uh, I say, yeah, all of Architecture Morality, but that has three hits on it and then all the other hits as well. We, we, it's, a, it's a nice problem to have to squeeze as many hits as you can into 90 minutes. Absolutely. Uh, I can't <laughs> wait. Oh, and we should add with Squitty Politi. As, as yeah, I mean, I mean, that 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 is is great. I mean, I've been a huge fan of theirs for ages. I've been talking to, to Green Guard side and uh, we're um, we're really looking forward to, to for both bands to play together in November. Hanging out. Andy, thanks so much for chatting to us. Good luck. I will speak soon. OK, thank you, Stuart. Take care. Bye. A huge thanks to Andy McCluskey from OMD for joining us for a chat and for sharing some fantastic stories too. I can't believe they used to make their own instruments out of old radios. <laughs> How cool is that? It's an honour to have him on the show. Some wise words there as well about giving yourself creative freedom as an artist and, and trusting your instincts. Hilarious to think of Andy being upstaged by his daughter's Game Boy. <laughs> 
<laughs> I love that thought. And we even got an apology for inflicting Kerry Katona and Atomic Kitten upon us. Brilliant. Just genuinely amazing to chat to Andy. So thanks to him for coming on the show and to Jess for making it happen. Uh, now you can see OMD on their UK arena tour starting in Scotland in November. Uh, they are all over the north of England, Wales, Midlands, Scotland, everywhere. Uh, and they're coming to London on Saturday the 13th of November uh, at the Eventim Apollo. Andy tells me they're taking all the seats out and aiming to get 5,000 people down the front. Uh, to use his words, it will be rocking. Uh, they'll be playing their Architecture and Morality album in full to celebrate its 40th anniversary, plus all the big hits, all the big ones. Uh, and they're supported by Scritti Politti too. For a full list of all the dates and to find out where you can get your tickets, uh, there's a link in the description of this podcast and at phoenixfm.com. So, regular listeners of my drive time show will have heard me destroying a popular song every week on the Stylophone. Uh, I challenge listeners to work out what on earth I am playing. Uh, and it's anything but easy. In fact, it's actually quite painful, I'd say, um, because I'm, I'm pretty bad at playing the stylophone, uh, to put it mildly. But this week uh, is a very special one. And for the big reveal, I thought I'd enlist Andy's help. Um, but it kind of backfired. Stu Stylophoning. This is Andy from OMD. You've been listening to Stuart Pink utterly failing to play Enola Gay all week on his stylophone. Now, if you want to hear it done properly, we are on tour. Come and see us. And I promise we won't let him bring his stylophone. In fact, we won't even let him in the building. Thanks for listening. And if you enjoyed the interview, then please share it. Uh, If you didn't enjoy it, then share it anyway. For more guest interviews like this, or to get the next one delivered directly to your device, subscribe to the Now You're Talking podcast. You'll find it wherever you get your podcasts from, and the whole thing has become a huge library featuring well over 150 guest interviews from music, film, comedy icons to community heroes local legends stars of the future and just about everybody in between a treasure trove of life's stories from all sorts of incredible people so for more interviews podcasts videos poems and books everything i do is available at stuartpink.com <laughs>